Welcome back to The Buzz with Bernie, an economic development podcast. I'm Kara Gormley, Metter, here with your host, Bernie Maybank. Bernie, you must be doing all right. They purchased a studio. We've got our own. You can't, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see it, but we have this really cool monitor with The Buzz with Bernie and the bees flitting all over. Kind of a, I don't know, funky little table and chairs. Um, I'm liking it. Love what you've done with the place. And speaking of bees, there was a clipping yesterday that uh, honey is better for you. This is a medical uh, test, not homeopathic, that said honey was better for you for colds and coughs and and minor irritants than any medicine is. Well, super. I am glad you brought up the environment because we're going to be talking a lot about the environment today. Do you remember when the pandemic first hit and Everybody was really under lockdown strictly, and things started happening in the environment. Uh, In New York City, they saw deer on the street, right? And when the smog cleared in certain areas of the country, people saw sights that they'd never seen before. Saw the Himalayas for the first time. That's right. And so as the air cleared after lockdowns, um, I was reading a study that was recently published by MIT, and as that air cleared, solar installations in areas saw that they were producing more power in certain areas of the world, which I found kind of fascinating, you know, Mm -hmm. to see how that quick environmental impact really took a a toll and and did some really great things for our industry. Well, coming up on The Buzz, what effects, if any, is the pandemic having on the solar industry in the southeastern United States and here in South Carolina? We're going to ask the Vice President of Development and Strategy for Southern Current. Brett Sowers joins us next. Coming up on The Buzz. Welcome back to The Buzz, everybody. Joining us today is Brett Sowers. He's the Vice President of Development and Strategy for Southern Current. And among the many hats that Brett wears includes being the Chairman of the Board of Directors for the South Carolina Solar Business Alliance. We appreciate you being here with us, Brett. Thanks for having me. Well, to get us started, will you tell us a little bit about Southern Current and what role uh, that you have with the company? Just educate us about what you do. Sure. So uh, Southern Current is a primarily large-scale and medium-scale solar uh, provider, which which means we we build larger um, solar energy plants. It's uh, development and finance um, and asset management. We have around 100 employees here in South Carolina, uh, and we do everything from um, having, uh, you know, pre-done diligence on land, um, negotiating tax agreements. I like to think of it as if you're a commercial real estate uh, developer, um, really just put solar in front of that, and, and it helps people understand kind of what we do. And instead of building a skyscraper, we're building a solar farm. And how does South Carolina rank in terms of of solar? Uh, first of all, how do we rank in terms of environmental? I know some states solar works a lot better than in other states. How does South Carolina rank? Yeah, so for our um, you know sun exposure, our radiance, South Carolina ranks very well uh, nationally. Um, I think uh, folks who live here know that. That's why we all live here and love it, and yes. we love enjoying the mountains and beaches and the Midlands. Um, so we've, we've got a great sun exposure. Uh, as far as our 
uh, installed amount of solar, we rank about 15th nationally. Um, but there's, there's good promise there, you know, just north of us in North Carolina, they rank second. And we can discuss uh, some of why that is. It's not because North Carolina has uh, better sun exposure than South Carolina, um, but it really comes down to the policies uh, that are put in place on the state level. So North Carolina is number two in the country for solar. And is that, that's not per capita, that's absolute? That is absolute. That is uh, based on the uh, number of installed megawatts of solar, which is, I think, around um, a little over 6,500 megawatts of solar in North Carolina. And in South Carolina, we have, I believe, somewhere around 2,000 megawatts of solar installed. So we, we have a ways to go, um, but we're, we're making progress. And, and before we get into it, tell us about the price of solar or the, I know the panel prices were dropping dramatically and then, and then the president imposed tariffs. Where are we on the price of solar panels today? Yeah, the price of the panel um, used to be, uh, I think a major you know, cost component uh, of the system. Um, maybe more than a third. And as we've moved forward, um, it's not just the US, but as the, the entire world has really uh, been increasing its amount of renewable energy that it's installing, as you can imagine, economies of scale start kicking in from a manufacturing standpoint and uh, the raw product costs begin to drop. And so we've seen, uh, I believe, the numbers kind of float around the last 10 years, we've seen like an 80% reduction in the cost of the solar panel itself. Um, now, on the national level, there's, you know, reasons for these tariffs to be put in place. There's also reasons for them not to be put in place. I don't know if we're going to discuss that here, but um, the, the, the overall theme is, you know, just like any other type of manufacturing, the more you're going to produce a product, um, the cheaper that, you know, per unit right. cost product can, can be. Sure. So we got residential solar and we got industrial solar. I know y'all used to be big in residential, um, no longer do that, but tell us about residential solar. Sure. So, um, you know, when I think of residential solar, it is, you know, solar panels on your household, right? Um, often I'd say 90 plus percent is solar panels on your rooftop but there are scenarios and, and installations we've done where people have uh you know a plentiful amount of land that they own uh next to their home and they they prefer it on the ground so um and what would a residential on on the rooftop of, a, of an average house what what would that cost yeah it, it's around um you know 30 to thirty-five thousand dollars of an upfront uh, cost. Now that doesn't factor in though, Bernie, the incentives that are provided at the state and federal level. And tell us about those. Tell us about the incentives. I know we have a state tax credit and is it, uh, in the state tax credit and the federal tax credit, the, the state tax credit, you know, is 25% of the cost up to $3,500, um, or 50% of the taxpayer's liability. And so that can be a significant amount over time, correct? It can be. Uh, and it, it certainly helps, um, you know, make <clears throat> uh, 
make South Carolina very competitive for solar on the residential side. You know, I mentioned 15th um, nationally for solar installed megawatts, but for residential solar, I think South Carolina may rank somewhere around second in the entire country. And so wow. what, that, what that equates to is we probably have somewhere around 20,000 homes in South Carolina that have solar on them. And so you're starting to see it, not really this kind of niche outlier um, technology that maybe some people want. Chances are, if you live in a decent sized neighborhood, you have a few neighbors that have solar. And that $30,000, how long does that system last for typically? Yeah, so um, almost all what we would consider tier one solar panel manufacturers uh, warranty their product for 25 years. Okay, and then so I get a tax credit. Do I also get a, uh, before we get into net metering, do I also get a reimbursement from the utility itself? Any subsidies from the utility? Yeah, so that's where um, the state policy really is important. Um, it, the way we, we have it set up in South Carolina and have since 2014 is if you're paying whatever you're paying your retail rate of electricity um, and you install solar and the, the, the cost um, or the reimbursement, however you want to put it, that you're receiving back from the utility for the energy your solar panels are producing is going to be cost the same price as your electricity. So if you're paying eight cents for electricity and you're producing solar, then you're going to get, you know, netted out eight cents. Um, in other parts of the country, you may not be compensated as much as you are here in South Carolina. Oh, good. So is that what net metering is? If you produce more solar than you use? Yeah, so it's just really netting out, right? So if you think of it from a financial term, you're, you know, you're netting out an expense. Um, and in South Carolina, you are netting out, you know, the same value of which you're paying, um, depending on the usage and the production of your your solar system. Brett, when you're talking about the state policy and some of the articles I've read, um, where we stand on some of those rankings that you talked about have to do with those incentives and things have changed over uh, recent years. Can you bring us up to date where we stand, especially on the commercial side? And it, it seemed like the incentives um, have gotten a little bit less lustrous for commercial uh, uh, businesses. Can you bring us up to date? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, let me start with this. What's, what, what it's important for, for folks to understand when it comes to energy is in a state like South Carolina and in, you know, two thirds of the country for the most part, you know, we operate under monopoly utilities. And so, um, when we're talking about kind of incentives being provided or subsidies here or there, we, ha we have to kind of understand that you and I, as a ratepayer, um, we're all cross-subsidizing each other regardless, right? And so if a power plant is built three counties away that will never produce any power to your house, right, you're still paying for that power plant uh, because your utility built it. Um, so what's happening on the industrial side and why it's kind of slowed down is I think we're moving towards more of a wholesale change that 
the large industrial and commercial customers really aren't satisfied with these kind of one-off small programs that provide a little bit of incentive for um, a commercial customer to install a small solar facility. What they really want is to purchase on the market um, the energy that they want for their facility, right? And so what that means is they're seeking to go kind of outside of the region perhaps and purchase maybe wind power from the west or solar from the north. And uh, the difficulty there is we're in a vertically integrated utility market in the southeast, but all around us we have these wholesale energy markets where you can buy and sell and trade energy on a daily market price. Um, so I think the stagnation in kind of the incentives for commercial industrial customers is really due to the fact that they have, I think, matured in the type of market that they want for themselves. The problem is they are in a vertically integrated utility market. And so it kind of handcuffs them to do what they want. So we're working on um, a couple different creative ways to satisfy them. Because as, as we all know, I mean, if South Carolina lost its manufacturing base, we would be losing uh, a lot of the lifestyle we enjoy here in the state. And so it's important that we're trying to be creative and find solutions for them. Now, in North Carolina, for North Carolina utilities are required to buy a certain amount of alternative energy um, and as the federal government pressures them to close coal plants, they replace it, replace it with solar and the like. In South Carolina, for many years, utilities were not required to buy alternative energy. Are they required today to buy alternative energy? Yes, yeah, so today um, under Act 236 um, and uh, under the Energy Freedom Act, there were some requirements for utilities to do a certain amount um, of solar, uh, but done in a way that uh, hopefully achieved um, you know, neutrality for the customer base. And by that, I mean, um, you know, no cross subsidization of customers paying for somebody else's solar or paying a premium um, for that solar. And, and I think that's important because some states have, you know, put mandates in place uh, to purchase renewable energy. And anytime there's a mandate in place, you can, you can pretty much expect that the prices aren't going to be as good as you would expect in a kind of competitive marketplace. Okay. We were talking a little bit about um, the pandemic. What effects, if anything, are you seeing on the market, the solar market, because of where we stand right now with COVID-19? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, we've, we've seen as, as an industry quite an effect. Um, and if you can imagine, you know, as we talked earlier, $30,000 system cost for a residential customer. Um, it's like buying a, you know, <clears throat> a decent sized new car right now. Is that a purchase you're gonna make in this pandemic? The other tricky aspect with solar, especially for residential customers is because of the tax credits, you have to have uh, taxable income. And so if you're a customer saying, well, I have a good job today, but the pandemics, you know, I've, I've had to cut back or 
I'm not sure of the viability of the company I work for. Um, you're just a little leery of making big purchases like that. So the residential sector has certainly felt an impact um, due to the pandemic and has been working in Congress to try to address some of, some of these shortfalls. Um, on the kind of larger scale, utility scale side um, of solar, where our issues lie is mainly in the, um, uh, the financing side. So we're watching, you know, we're watching the markets very closely. Um, it costs a lot of money to build these facilities and we have to go out to the market to get debt financing, to get sponsor equity financing. Um, a lot of the typical financing mechanisms that you'd see used in commercial real estate. Uh, and so when the markets aren't doing well, it uh, puts a strain on our business for sure. And we're seeing those impacts. And tell us about what's the average solar industrial project in South Carolina in terms of CapEx and megawatts? Yeah, there's, you know, there's really not an average size um, in the state. We have uh, a kind of a diverse um, sizing in South Carolina. We have everything from, you know, two megawatt, which is 15 acres of land, uh, to, you know, 100 plus megawatt solar facilities which is, you know, close to 150 acres of land. Um, and the CapEx is, you know, this simple terms, 100 megawatt facility, $100 million. Kind of looking at um, a factor of one there. And so the total investment from an economic standpoint in South Carolina is since 2015, the uh, Department of Commerce, South Carolina Department of Commerce, um, has announced around $2 billion of capital investment agreements um, in around 19 counties uh, throughout the state. And that was for around 1,500 megawatts of solar. Now, not all of those projects have, have been built yet, uh, but they've been announced and there's agreements in place to, um, to have those come uh, and be procured. And obviously, before you would invest $100 million, you would have a purchase agreement with an IOU in place? And, yeah, and that's that, correct. And, and is that a challenge in South Carolina today? It, you know, it can be. Uh, and it's a challenge for, for I think, a couple different, couple different reasons. Um, you know, we've, you, you have to chart a path for energy as a state and as a country. I think for a while we charted a path down down the road of you know building nuclear plants. This didn't work out. Of course, you're not going to go invest in a lot of new generation while you're building two of the largest, most advanced nuclear reactors in the country. We were we're dealing with a low natural gas price right now. We're trying to build pipelines, as we recently saw in the news. You know, our two utilities in the state that were involved in that pipeline canceled the pipeline. Uh, so the reliance on natural gas may change. And so, you know, what's really important is we chart a path for, towards what we want and then put all the great minds together and figure out how we achieve it. Um, so it's not that it's difficult to get a power purchase agreement. It's that, um, you know, there needs to be leadership on the energy sector as a state to say, what do we want? How do we get there? And how do we ensure that our customers, you know, for the first time in probably decades can see savings uh, and not headlines of rate increases. And where did solar now, I know the price has dropped dramatically 
where do you where do you are you truly competitive with say coal? Yeah, coal. Um, you know, it's really solar is competing with natural gas. Uh, coal is is a non competitor in the energy market today. It doesn't trade. Um, it, it hardly gets bought, uh, and it's it's purely economic reasons. I think there's probably many that have kind of feelings about coal and wanting to um, make sure the coal industry survives. The reality is natural gas has, um, has made coal uneconomical uh, and solar is um, you know, a great alternative and a great diversity mix uh, for an energy system. And it's really competing with natural gas prices across the region. Um, so we're, we're winding down on time. And I know we do have some, some hurdles to go, so we will want to check back in with you, hopefully, as the pandemic winds down and we gain some normalcy. But I want to end on a lighter note. And please tell me that the cat that walks behind you's <laughs> name is like Sunny, or, you know, there's some sort of environmental name for this, this cat that we've seen because he or she obviously wants to make an appearance in this podcast. No, her, her name is Gray, and she's a tiny little kitten. We actually just call her Kitten because she, she never... Uh, she never grew up, so we found her on the side of the road, and and I gave it to my my wife before I proposed to her because I said Aww. I really need something to ensure that I get a yes. I don't like to go into any <laughs> scenario thinking I'm going to get a no or I'm going to lose. So I gave her a kitten, um, and well, that's a lot cheap. That's a lot cheaper than a ring, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you gave her one of those too after the kitten. <laughs> Well, listen, you know, you've given us a lot of useful information, but as far as romance and marriage tips, this might be the most important thing that we've learned. The, I, apparently the kitten worked, correct? The, kit, the kitten works. Um, and, and if you don't mind, I'll leave you with a couple resources here. So if you're interested in solar or you just want more information that's kind of unbiased out of the headlines, um, the Office of Regulatory Staff here in South Carolina has a website. It's solar.sc.gov. You can find a lot of information there um, about what you're, uh, you know, want to learn. And if you're a consumer, you know, call the Department of Consumer Affairs. If you're interested in who you need to work with or where you can get the right information, um, make sure you're working with people that are reputable, you know, don't have complaints against them. Do your homework like you would any major purchase. And does a residential installer are they a member of a trade group that we could say, are you a member of X that would show some? There's a couple resources. You can, um, the South Carolina Solar Council and it's SC Solar Council, I think, .org. Um, you can look and they list a lot of folks there. Also the, the uh, trade association that I chair, which is the South Carolina Solar Business Alliance. We have a website as well. Um, we get emails almost daily saying, I've got somebody reaching out to me. Do you, who do you recommend? And of course, if you're a member there, um, you know, we, we, uh, we certainly encourage them to work with our members because there is, um, you know, some reputation that's involved there. And we make, make sure that people are getting in with a good company. Well, great information today. Brett Sowers is the Vice President of Development and Strategy for Southern Current. We appreciate your time, Brett. Thank you both. Thank you, and thanks for joining us on The Buzz, everybody. We'll see you next time.